Hello viewers, once again it's me, Ewerwanomeran, and this is my channel, It Pays to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose. The three most important subjects that we can ever learn about, talk about, or discuss in the entire Holy Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned, Paying Our Vows. However, before I get into that, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy listening to. And while that tune is playing, you can go ahead and subscribe and also click the notification bell to be notified when we make future uploads. Once again, the subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned Paying Our Vows. A vow is like a solemn religious promise that we make to God, and vows can be used or serve different purposes. A vow can show commitment, a vow can be used to kind of get something from God, a vow can be like a sacrifice that we make to God, and especially in the Israelite history, that was kind of what it was like, in a sense. If we read Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6, it was talked about in that light. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21, for example, the kind of vows that Elkanah, Hannah's husband, war was making was kind of like a sacrifice in a sense. And when we make vows like this, the vow that Hannah had made, for example, when he, when she said that if you give me a child, because she was barren, of course, if read for Samuel chapter 1 from verses 9 to 20, if you give me a child, I will devote him to the ministry. When we make those kinds of vows, it's important we understand the fact that we have to pay those vows because when we get those things we can't just take them and run because those things make us look irresponsible if you read ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4 king solomon who had an understanding on how vows work and how we should if we make vows pay them had stated when thou vowest a vow unto god defer not to pay it for we have no pleasure in fools pay that which thou hast vowed. In fact, in the Israelite history, paying vows was a very important thing because God had introduced the idea and it was generally passed around. You couldn't just make a vow like that and collect what God gives you and run away with it. There was even a sacrifice, specific sacrifice that was made towards people who had just made vows out of context, out of point, and then come to apologize to God later because it was so irrational and there was no way of 
payment. In Leviticus chapter 5, from verses 4 to 6. When we make vows to God, we have to pay those vows. And if we look at righteous ones of God, they always talked about their vows as things that God answered, and they had to pay. For example, in Psalms chapter 66, in verses 13 and 14, David the psalmist had stated, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken when I was in trouble. If we read Psalm chapter 15, verse 4, when David the psalmist was describing who righteous ones of God are, he said, They're people who sweareth to their own hurt and changeth not. Not people who make vows because they see other people making vows and they just feel like vows are good. So let me go ahead and start making them. And of course, when we make vows for such purposes, God is not deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Even King Herod, somebody who didn't really rule in the fear of God, knew that paying vows was important, which was why after he made the promise to King to Herodias' daughter that because you danced so well and pleased me in my birthday party, I am going to give you whatever you ask for. Even though it was the head of John the Baptist, because of his understanding of vows having to be paid, he unfortunately had to supply it. Vows were a very important thing, and you just couldn't really do anything else but to pay them if we read Deuteronomy chapter 23 from verses 21 to 23. It's very important we understand the facts that vows are important. And in fact, the reason why the Israelites as a nation were considered wicked was because, well, they didn't pay their vows. If you read that Hosea chapter 4 in verses 1 and 2, when God was describing what the Israelites had done, he'd stated, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. The first thing that was mentioned there was swearing. And what is swearing? It's making oaths, making vows. It's that kind of idea. And when we make those vows, and we don't pay them, we are like, oh, untrustworthy wife. We are like wives that are stubborn to their husbands. If we read Malachi chapter 2 from verses 14 to 16. However, there is one exception that I want to address and that is Numbers chapter 30. Because if we know the place, it talks about how women who make vows to God can have those vows cancelled by their husbands. And many people have wondered about this and be like, this goes against the whole idea of when you make a vow, you must pay it. But the reason for that has to do with authoritative issues. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the hierarchy of obedience. Because women are subject to their husbands, husbands have the right to actually cancel vows and stuff simply because of their ability to take over their wives, and how wives must obey their husbands. If read Ephesians chapter 5, from verses 22 to 24, and First Peter chapter 3, from verses 1 to 7. Now, the Bible has talked a lot about how when we make physical vows and we don't pay them, we look foolish and stuff, and because of that, it is better, in fact, for us to not make vows. In fact, it was quite a surprise when 
Jesus Christ had told the congregation that in Matthew chapter 5, from verses 34 to 37. The idea that just even though in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, it talks about how to make vows and pay them. If read Psalm chapter 76, verse 11, you know, uh, David the Simons had also talked about how we should make vows and pay them. Jesus Christ said, just don't make vows because of what was said in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And that's another big reason for why making vows, especially the physical ones, isn't really the best idea. Because we don't know what the future may bring. If we read the story of Jephthah in Judges chapter 11, from verses 30 to 40, he told God, he made a vow that if you bring the Ammonites or into my hand, that is to, for me to be able to defeat them, the first person who walks out of the gates is going to be made a sacrifice onto you. And remember, he only had one child, and that daughter was the person who walked out of the first gate. So it's important we understand he had to lose that because of the vow he made. So it's, in fact, more profitable for us to not really be making vows like that. And in James chapter 5, verse 12, James the Apostle had stated, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. And in that Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5, it talks about that idea. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not. Hey, because it makes you look irresponsible, untrustworthy, somebody who is even selfish because he wants to collect God's gifts like they did in Joel chapter 3 from verses 5 to 8 and Revelation chapter 18 verse 3. But they like betray God because they don't end up using that to promote his purpose, even though God said we should, if read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, talking about how if we have any gifts, such as being able to preach or have been disciplined, we should use it to the glory of God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. If read Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it's very important that we keep this in mind. But not all vows are necessarily vows that God would prefer us not making, because there are certain vows that he actually likes to hear his true children make. And those vows are when we come to God after we have heard what God does generally. We've come to fall in love with his ways. And then we tell God, I want to do everything you want me to do, the exact way you want me to do it. And I want to be involved in what you are doing at any given timeline that he is in. And like I said, he likes those vows. And there are examples in the Bible of people who not only said it with their mouth that they wanted to do that and demonstrated that kind of behavior. For example, Jesus Christ had both said and demonstrated the fact that he was committed to doing God's will. In John chapter 4, verse 34, for example, Jesus Christ had stated, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, the author of Hebrews had stated, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. 
And the author of Hebrews was quoting David the psalmist in Psalms chapter 40 from verses 6 to 8. In Jeremiah chapter 42 from verses 1 to 22, there was a congregation of people before Jeremiah that had made a vow to God that whatever God tells them considering what they should do next, whether they should go to Babylon or to Egypt or everything else, they said that they were completely ready to listen to it and immediately take action based on what God had said. And yes, even though they were disobedient and they broke their vows, which is a lesson we have to learn when we make spiritual vows like that, just like the physical, God expects us to keep it. The commitments that they made is still good nonetheless. If we also read the story of Itay the Gittite in 2 Samuel chapter 15 from verses 19 to 21, it was the same kind of commitment that he made to David. When David was just telling him, go home, go home to your own land and stuff, he said, I am going to be with you and I'm going to serve you for as long as I have the abilities and the approval to do so. And Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1 from verses 16 to 17, had this same kind of behavior. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death parts thee and me. That is commitment to do God's will, because she clearly showed that no matter where this plan is going, I don't care if you're going back home or whatever, it doesn't matter. I am going to stay with you, and there is nothing besides death, in fact, whether it is for me or for you, that is going to break this bond relation to the commitment that I have towards you. It is very important that we understand God loves to hear such vows. And just like physical vows like Hannah had made, chipping in with the child, God, when we make spiritual vows to him, chips in by giving us Wisdom, the true riches, which I talked about in a previous video, in pursuit of true wealth. And you can check that out for many details on what the true riches are. When we ask God for those true riches in 3 James chapter 1, verse 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. James the Apostle wasn't joking. God gives wisdom to people who need it in order to move his plan forward. And if we also read Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23, those true riches, love, faith, patience, etc., he can gift those things as well because those are also necessities to worshiping God. But it's not just about those. He can also defeat our enemies in order to make sure that we have a clean working space. When we talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, if any man be a fornicator, extortioner, idolater, railer, etc., we shouldn't eat with such ones. Fulfilling such a task might be a little difficult, but God can chip in in the process. And in free Nahum chapter 1, verse 15, we see this kind of idea. Behold upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. For thine enemies will no more pass through thee. He is utterly 
Qatar. We can see in that verse that God was telling Judah, now you have the opportunity to keep your commitments, perform your vows, your solemn feasts, etc. Because your enemies, who would have formerly been a hindrance, a distraction to doing such things, are now taken out of your life so that you can commit to my purpose. And in Psalm chapter 61, in verses 5 and 8, David the Psalmist had talked about how God can do such things, and now because of that, he will keep his vows. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. And in Psalm chapter 65, in verses 1 and 2, David the Psalmist had said something similar. Praise waiteth for thee, O God in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. It's important we understand when we promise God, I will walk in thy truth, unite my heart to fear thy name. Like David the Psalmist had stated in Psalm chapter 86 verse 11, God will indeed chip in the process because he wants us to keep those vows, not just for his good, but because he loves us also ours. It's very important that we keep this in mind. But when we make such vows and God aids us in the process, it's not really just about God and what he does. We also have to make sure we keep our commitment. I'll once again reference the story of those people who came to Jeremiah and said, whatever God tells us, we will accept it. They broke that vow because the moment Jeremiah told them what God wanted, which wasn't necessarily in their own interest, they said, no, 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 that's not what God told us. He probably wants us to go to Egypt, and then they did. So breaking their vow to God, and therefore Jeremiah, of course, as well, that we're going to listen to whatever God has to say through you, the prophet, Jeremiah. We should never be like such ones. We should always monitor our hearts and our friends and our areas. Because Satan the devil can come from any area. Judas Iscariot was a good example. Even though it was one of his disciples, Satan the devil came from there. If we Luke chapter 22, in verses 2 and 3. He comes in those angles to dislocate the process and for us to break our vows. But when we are paying attention, like St. Paul had advised the people, the founders of Christianity and stuff, the beginning communities, that Ravenous wolves are going to come here, so pay attention. In Acts chapter 20, from verses 28 to 31, we also have to do the same to our hearts and the rest of our surroundings. Guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It's very important that we understand the fact that God likes hearing spiritual vows. He helps chip in the process, but we also have to make sure that our commitment stays strong because it is only people who endure that will be saved. If you read Matthew chapter 24 in verses 12 and 13, it's very important that we keep this in mind. In the time that we're living in, the last days, the kingdom of God has been established in fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7 in verses 13 and 14, chapter 2 verse 44. Josiah chapter 2 verse 2 and many other places all over the Bible. We have to understand the fact that this kingdom is kind of like a vineyard, which Jesus Christ would commonly describe it as. And in order for a vineyard, for example, to be kept 
fruitful and stuff, it has to be tended by workers. And similarly, the kingdom of God is like a house, let's say, that requires pillars in order for it to stand. And a righteous man who will commit, make a vow to that in order for the kingdom of God to be established in the sense of for him to share a piece of it and for the kingdom to be strong in his or her household is doing a very good thing, is making a very good vow in the last days. And God is very pleased with such people. I explained this in our other channel, Bible Verse Breakdown, and the verse breakdown was Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. We make such commitments to the kingdom purpose after being amazed and excited by the gospel message. If you read that Hosea chapter 11, verse 10, when we make such commitments, just like I said before, all those things apply. God will make sure that any enemies who want to destroy your commitment, which is essentially destroying the kingdom of God in a sense, such people are going to be utterly obliterated by God because if you read Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, all nations will flow onto it. And those wicked people need to be taken out of the way in order for that prophecy to be fulfilled and in order for your commitments to come to pass in the sense of for it to not be thrown down and then you're ashamed and stuff, but rather you are strong to the end. And if you read Psalm chapter 25 and verses 2 and 3. David the psalmist talking about how God should clear the wicked so that they do not destroy and therefore break the vows that they have made to God. Had stated, O God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over thee. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Once again, Psalm chapter 25 in verses 2 and 3. It's very important we understand this idea. Oh, we now have gotten a sense of what vows are, why we should make them if we are making them, and once we do, we have to keep them. Making vows is a voluntary act. It's not something God has told us, make vows, make vows, like making sacrifices, but when we make vows, we have to. In Job chapter 22, verse 27, Job had said, Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. And I choose to talk no further on discussing the subject, paying our vows. To conclude this episode, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you learned something most importantly. 
Please drop the subscribe, share this video, and click the notification bell if you have not already to be notified when we make future videos just like this. And we have to understand when we keep our commitments to God's kingdom, we will be blessed indeed. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Thank you for listening. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.